0: Everything that's worth having and that works at scale started simple. Never, ever, ever start complex and always doubt if someone is pitching you to start complex.
1: Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Fallsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best and I want to take you with me on this journey.
0: Hi, my name is Alper Eidemer, CEO and co-founder of Olimental and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi, and welcome, Alper. Hi, Josef. How are you? I'm good. How's, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. It's so nice to have you here, and I'm looking forward to this. And first thing first today, who is Alper? Please <laughs> help me get the context of how you look at yourself.
0: Yeah, sure. I'm, uh, I'm Alper. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Volumantle. I live here in in Stockholm. I originally I'm Turkish, but my journey started with the, with the goal of learning everything there's to know on how to build robots because I thought that would be the next like revolution after the personal computer revolution. It would be about computers that can also do stuff without being prompted to. Uh, so I set out to learn everything, software, hardware, electronics that uh, goes into building something like that and you know long story short uh, i've done a, that took me a phd here in stockholm at kth that took me to uh, united states i uh, to nasa google a lot of places and and also the uh, entrepreneurship journey that i've been on since last uh, couple of years or yeah thank you for
1: sharing and why why do you think you got this interest of working with computers and yeah the future within tech?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's it's very hard to do that in introspection, but I've been always curious about what would what will be the next big thing after the having experienced the you know the personal computer revolution. Okay, and, so you had, you
1: had that early.
0: Yeah exactly I had that early I remember thinking I actually remember thinking doing my first ever class in the university and it was all a lot of people and after the class I remember sitting down in the in the in the grass outside and thinking okay all these people are listening to this lecture and it's the end goal of getting eventually a degree and that eventually gets you to a decent or good or great life and so on but what is the thing that actually like provides value in the world and 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 can i help build that or can i build that and and that took me to yeah this kind of thinking in terms of it would be great if computers actually did stuff on their own without us without them being a dumb screen with a keyboard that just sits there if you don't you know interact with it it doesn't do anything but can we create like thinking autonomous machines that makes life easier and better? Um, So I remember thinking that early on.
1: And when you say early on, like when you were a teenager, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. When I was, exactly when I was a teenager. So I remember having this, I started, (laughs) it's kind of funny now that I think about it, but I started this little uh, newsletter on robotics, everything that goes on in the world. This was before, you know, like we're talking about, The mobile phone was just like the way before the invention of iPhone and so on.
1: They they like they like the Sony Ericsson time maybe. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I remember.
1: Yeah, but before iPhone.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I remember having a newsletter on on robotics AI, uh, just like with the intent of collecting my thoughts in one place. But then I had I guess interacting with like minded people so. It had it had a couple of thousand people. I oh, recall. that wow! Well, okay, yeah, it was mainly in my my university. I guess. Yeah. circles. Yeah.
1: Thank you for sharing, Alper. And okay, talking about providing value to the world, yeah, it's time so... for you to tell what your company Volumental do with the elevator pitch.
0: Yes. So what we are doing at Volumental is we're tackling the problem of size and fit and if you have been shopping especially online you know this it's one part of the journey that makes you scratch your head okay so what's my size what's my fit and 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 you often end up getting that wrong and ordering three or five of the same thing and return the rest and so on but we think that that should be a super smooth thing so you wherever you shop, you should just get your size and, and fit and you never have to return it or, or do anything like that. So.
1: And you fix that for me as an customer.
0: Exactly. So at Volumental, we we, f- we fixed that. So our vision is to shape a future free from sizes where everybody fits. Hey.
1: So Alper, would you say yes? Yes, so the listener can understand a bit more is the e-commerce your customer is it an app is it desktop yes pl- please tell me how how does it work
0: yeah it's a platform of fittech solutions so it's both for e-commerce where you that we them deliver a software as a service sizing widget to product detail pages for your e-commerce website and and in-store in retail it's a 3d scanner that that scans you really fast for for footwear specifically and then gives you product recommendations, which is and it's all interconnected, right? Because in today's world, you're not shopping in just one place. Uh, You're you're everywhere. And that's how we think about it as well. And we 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 call the space that we are in FitTech. People know about Martech and FinTech. This is FitTech and and FitTech should be wherever the shopper is shopping at any time. So agnostic. Mm -hmm.
1: and uh, now it's time for uh, a favorite segment Uh, i love this segment many listeners love this segment you know what's coming out there it's five quick ones right and here you need to be quick i will say a word and the very first things you think of when you hear that Mm -hmm. maximum one sentence you should say are you ready Okay. okay
0: let's go good good ai The hype is justified. Sauce. It's a retention game. Retail. Where commerce actually happens. Early stage startups. Fun guaranteed. Success maybe. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and the last thing uh, the fall of 2023 you mean this year fall yeah the fall <laughs> this year now that has yeah stopped
0: it. yeah uh keep pushing
1: keep pushing mm-hmm.
0: thank you for
1: yeah it's so, some funny but <laughs> actually i laughed several times yeah uh, great, great fear and um Talking about the why, then you have already now the, t- told me and the listeners what uh, what to do, but I want to know why. Why did you and your co-founders start the company?
0: Yeah, I think it's because we all experienced this problem that we're trying to solve ourselves, and also witnessed the amount of like friction and waste that it creates. And uh, the other side of it is that we all thought that it's it's a massively important problem in the world you know every single person uh, that that shops online offline we can we can help that make better so we thought that with the technology background that we have combined with the problem we can actually make a real big dent at it so that's that's you know why we started the company i would say
1: Nice, and now when we talked about why and I buy it and I understand it, I want to talk about another topic that you quickly mentioned when you talked about yourself, NASA. Mm -hmm. You have worked at NASA for almost two years, Mm -hmm. why there and how was it?
0: Uh, It was was pretty cool, uh, I must say. Why there is because it was actually this was the time when the AR and VR technology layer was just getting built, right, for mobile phones. And, yeah. and actually Google has contracted NASA to build a big chunk of that technology layer at the time because if you think about it mobile phones are very similar to like drones or or other types of robots where you need to do a lot of computation fast in and it's battery powered and it's a, it's a small you know device that this thing needs to work and it needs to be real time so the talent pool matches kind of what like the uh, in from that point of view and so google contracted nasa to uh, get this project going which then now today it's called the augmented reality and virtual reality uh, toolkit yeah. and nasa then found me as a <laughs> as a hey you uh, we want you to come and and lead this and build this and and so on and so forth and so and i thought that would be that would put me in the, at the intersection of one of the most uh, interesting projects that was going on in the world at the time so that's why and hey it's it's nasa right i mean the, yeah. we we've, i've been involved with a lot of other other projects as well uh, beyond that so
1: and if you're gonna share a story that is not super confidential that is not confidential basically the, the, from there uh, what is a great story you can remember like top of your head
0: Yeah, I think I would say it's what I learned there is the power of like small but competent teams versus when you're like, for instance, competing or running against much larger teams. Because we were at the time, um, my group essentially was six or seven people all in all. And every part of the system, you could point to someone in the room. And they would own it. Every single part, every single line of code was owned by someone in that room. And, um, and
1: this was the foundation of what now is Google's VR slash AI.
0: in a sense, yes, exactly. Ah. And 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 in in various like competitions and so on, we were up against teams of fifty five people from you know MIT's, Stanford's of this world. But we were we were able to come come on top because I, I believe and and since then I I, I really believed in that you only need is a, is a group of, you don't need a lot of people. You only need, you know, a small group of highly, highly committed, talented people in the Viking longboat rowing with you on the way to raiding the shores, right? (laughs) And all these other guys, they're busy with like having their third meeting on that decision. You're already at the shores and you're already going for it. So that's what I would, I would say as a takeaway from that time
1: great takeaway and did you ever work where no i'm just kidding I, I i shouldn't i i can't talk with aliens because <laughs> you didn't work with that Where if you work with that you can't say anything because it's no. super confidential
0: i can either no, I can neither deny nor confirm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's high topic now with the Congress, etc. everything talking about. But okay, it's time for an external question. Uh, and today we are quickly joined by Aydin from Simple Group. And this is his question. Hi Alper. I'm wondering what were some of the biggest challenges you faced while developing and implementing your technology? And how did you overcome them?
0: Uh, Yeah, good question. I would say, I think it's been about customer obsession and talking to customers and really understanding their, their pain points and not assuming it. And then working your way backwards from that to technology. And building the product that serves them. So that has been, I think, the the one of the biggest challenges slash opportunities that we we've I've run into when developing and implementing our, our product. And and it's also again I'm gonna come back to this like throwing crack teams at hard problems. You know, once you identify that, just like throwing a crack team of, you know, of, of great people into that hard problem and just letting them do their, their stuff. You know, don't interfere with that. Just let them sl- slay that problem, essentially. And, <laughs> and that ends up with a great product, it turns out.
1: Okay. So, so basically, really narrow and understand the core pain points of the core problem for mm. the right customer. That that was like the big big challenge that you put a lot of and in taking years most likely. And then like you said, back off, have a great team and reverse engineer it.
0: Yeah, that's I think what unlocked once we've gotten that starting to do that, that's when we started to unlock growth and and deliver value. That's how I would say.
1: I didn't Thank you so much for a great question. And of course, Albert, for a very crucial and valuable input. We move on to go-to-market because you mentioned growth. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the go-to-market strategy and dive down here a bit. First thing, can you share your main strategy and the things that really matter the most when you went from nothing to 100, uh, 100 euros in ARR mm-hmm. when you start, if, if you take the starting year up building upwards.
0: Yeah, I think I'll have to go with what I just said now is is like being customer obsessed and talking to customers. You should always be, you know how those like in nature documentaries, there's this big fish swimming like a whale or something. And there are all these little fishes swimming right underneath it. And you know, that little, <laughs> that little fish should be you. Uh, you should be, you know, going everywhere they go, and and kind of like, uh, and almost like be a, a, a shadow and understand their 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 day-to-day life, what they're going through, and and their challenges and so on. So that's, I think, uh, that has been the like going from zero to one. That's what I think is what you need to do, or even before before that stage, right? Before even starting the company. Like just talk to uh, dozens and dozens of people who maybe you think are potential buyers. And then,
1: yeah, because it, 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 I, I like what you said, maybe before even that, because mm. now going from nothing to 1 million sec, yeah, basically 100,000 euros ARR, it's something at least. Th- then once you have reached that point, you have proven that because you can't laugh off 100, 100 euros it's still money even though it's more money from from some perspective yeah what, what would you say is the first when you once you have follow on that and being the small fish on the way etc how did you start with getting the like first one to 20 10 or five customers
0: mm, i think it was product led growth So once you have those like hooks in and we are in the enterprise space and our customers are typically, you know, billion dollar companies. So there's a lot of growth potential in each and every single one of them. As you scale your existing product that you just, you know, get the get the first entry through the door. But also you can keep layering in more value to your product. So it becomes more and more and more sticky. So and that's I think served us quite well.
1: Okay. Uh, and now,
0: now when you're saying this, are we more entering
1: going from 100k to 1 million euro now in ARR uh, in yeah. in this segment?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And another thing I think I would add to that is that we gain a lot of value from is and maybe this is c- kind of countered to the. To the popular opinion, but in-person meetings and and actually trade shows and things like that, where, where you can actually meet with people, and and have that connection.
1: Okay, this was this was quite a lot focus on in this segment K to one million. Yeah, there you put that. Okay, no, I yeah. don't think it's an un, un, unpopular opinion in this. Go, it is if you have two small customers, but you just said enterprise. No enterprise. This is okay.
0: So, yeah. so in-person so meetings,
1: yeah. trade shows, finding product-led growth and finding the growth opportunities there, so you can upsell or close meetings. And then these, okay, anything more here in this stage that was critical? Would you say?
0: Yeah, and and then I think I, the other th- thing I would say is that at this stage is it everything is just a hot mess. So everybody, <laughs> all, all hands in deck. You know, don't presume to have any kind of structure. You know you everyone does what it takes. I'm taping boxes. the salesperson is you know uh, I don't know carrying stuff and and the developers are doing support tickets. you know it's just a hot mess, but that's that's actually a positive thing. That's when you know you have you have momentum. If you have enough time to think about like structure and who does what and <laughs> know, all these questions, then you're probably not having a lot of momentum so that's also good to mention.
1: I love this quote. Well, yeah, this is a hot mess and too much, you don't have momentum. Okay. Uh, Alper, you ha- we, we have been through the hot mess. We mm-hmm. have reached over 1 million euro in ARR. And now you are where you basically, you're closing up to 10 million. What, are, what have you been focused on and what are you focused on now in your go-to-market?
0: Yeah, now it's been about a deterministic revenue machine. And like implementing what we call the operating system of the company. So you can actually predictably drive growth and it's not dependent on any single person necessarily. And so this is where you you start to have an actual, you know, marketing team and marketing strategy and a, and a commercial strategy that, you know, all, all of that coming together. And I mean, it's I like the saying where, where it says every happy company is different uh so you need to i think find your own way uh you can of course there's a lot of similarities and a lot of playbook that you can uh use and today's world we're all we're all reading the same blogs and you know we all have the same twitter timeline and you know here's a 10 uh, you know uh, twitter post thread on how to do xyz right we're all see, reading all of those and, but for me, I think it's been, for us, it's been about in your market with your buyer personas and with within your area, how do you actually implement that deterministic revenue uh, machine?
1: Good thing here. And if you're going to summarize now these different stages, yes, so it can be even more concrete for a listener who may bar at the start of the journey or mid or now in the growth stage. How? From your experience now, how many people do you recommend me and other people to be at these days? Because it's a brutal war now compared to many a few years ago with external capital, etc. So you need to keep costs down. How mm-hmm. many people do you recommend for the zero to 100k, 100 to 1 million? What do you think is a good estimated for a B2B SaaS company to, to focus don't take too much cost what would you say in in these three stages
0: yeah it's really hard of course i mean depends on on the product and depends on
1: if you're talking from your own perspective then
0: yeah i think it would be in the in the first phase it would be less than five definitely
1: okay less less than five before okay and then and and then when you are messy messy stage everything
0: just you have some commercial hit but it's messy yeah, then it's between five and ten, but I really want to say more like seven or eight, I would say, because you can do all those in-person meetings, Rachel. I mean, just be, just be on a plane the whole time and maybe you, you add another person.
1: Okay, so I, so I put less than five people when you are like really early funding stage and yep. then three to nine people and then 10 plus and up going upwards.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's how I would say it.
1: Uh Good. Thank you so much for all these interesting details. And now I'm curious about KPIs. Mm -hmm. And here I want to talk, uh, what's the most important KPIs for you, the CEO at Volumental? But I will say a but here. I want to hear both a few critical, quote, business KPIs, but also product KPIs. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. I think what's top of mind for us, especially more and more, is as uh, I mentioned earlier, retention. So, so like net revenue, retention, and related to that, actually, I would also like layer in the product KPIs that matches that. So it's, yeah. it would be how engaged people are, how much usage you're getting, and so those are some of the more like straightforward KPIs, but one other thing that I actually we started very recently is executive relationships with your customers. Like are you actually WhatsApp friends with your the executives of your customers? Enough to like pick up the phone and if there's an issue or if there's if your two teams are trying to, you know, because it's often things get delayed because of like small stupid reasons like you know there may be one person or or something simple at the other end of the line that's not like happening and that's what you need to unblock to get more growth or get a project going that increases stickiness and then it just helps so much if you can actually pick up the phone and go like hey jennifer you know i we have this project but it seems to have blocked like how can we help this versus, you know, contorting yourself in all the different ways, trying to get that done through, like, email and, you know, like... Um... Okay, so this
1: is actually a KPI now within the business field that's yes. f- 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 below the NRR for the retention. Like, how much, how many of our customers do we have on... What, what did Executive you call it? Relationship.
0: How many of them Ex- I have in my WhatsApp? Uh, Executive
1: can... relationship where yes. you can
0: text like i
1: i'm before this episode recording with you we we are almost at this level i feel at least now i can text like oh can we change this etc but at this level you have the text you can call text okay yeah this is good yeah i never i never heard like a kpi on on this level yeah this is good
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so that's i mean that's not by the way my natural inclination you know i wish we all the problems in the world were was solved through just typing on a keyboard, <laughs> but that's not the you know, you need personal relationships and uh, yeah, at, at least day, for like twenty
1: to at least for 10 to 50 years, at least more. Yeah,
0: and I mean at the end of the day it's two business like organizations helping each other, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, and if you peel one layer up, it's two people. Who are wanting to succeed in their work, helping each other. And so it's that personal. And if you can get to that level, and that also forces you to be quite direct and transparent and and honest as well. Like you may, you know, sometimes you get more wins when you have uh, issues and problems. Like I I can be honest with, hey, Joseph, you know, I know we messed up when it comes to that, but here's what I'm doing, and so on and so forth. And at the tail end of that, Maybe we end up bonding even better, right? And yeah. uh, I'll stop at that.
1: And do you have, if you talk, because this was so good, so I don't want to clutter it so much, uh, and I just want to stay with a few KPIs. Do you want to highlight one more KPI, a big KPI, and some few below that, or um, if no, I yes. Think what... I would
0: yeah i think i
1: think okay. would... nr N- is the north star metric and then you have uh, several of the things we have discussed as key parts under that
0: mm, yeah that's what i would say is the is the is the cornerstone
1: good say. we had the cornerstone. we stopped there and talking about some outreach Because I'm building a sales and outreach product, of course. So I want to collect as much data points I can from smart people like you. So Alto, what would you say is your preferred way of being contacted in a modern buyer's journey for B2B? Basically Mm. meaning the best way to do outreach to you.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. I think recommendations through people I know in my network or... It can also be what is
1: email or LinkedIn or wh- where did this happen?
0: It was actually Twitter a lot of the time. Oh. <laughs> but either I mean email also it happened through email as well.
1: So okay, so intro was there, uh, Twitter or email,
0: and then and then
1: after you have got there, is it usually like email or LinkedIn or or for what is the next step in, in like how you want to get the approach?
0: then i want to try the product okay uh, then, so, then so first thing to get interested
1: then yeah. try try the product like free me away or try away
0: yeah i mean and then it's about how many seconds do i need to try click on things to get the value like the, you need to you know then you you're okay. hooking me up oh, free me. So, yeah. like someone said, hey, I, I thought you know uh, we we use this tool a lot and it helped us in so and so way. Or sometimes it's actually someone we hire into the company who used a tool in their previous company yeah. and it, they endorse it that way. And then they send a link, and then I need to be able to like get what this thing does within yeah. seconds.
1: Okay, intro first, most likely for mail or uh, Twitter. And then after, if I caught your interest through that, seconds to value in a freemium or trial period where you don't need to pay anything. Just click, click and get to some sort of aha moment. Mm-hmm. And after that, if we have a hello, we have a love at semi-first site, then we can take it from there. Mm-hmm. Good. Oh, nice. We leave it for there because we need to move on and move on to talking a bit about leadership I, i'm super curious about core strengths slash superpowers uh, and getting inspiration from there what would you say are your top top things that your superpowers as a leader
0: yeah it's hard to you know i have a lot of weaknesses as well so it's not you know when I answer this, I feel a little bit like you know it's boasting. But one we can, thing we I can say,
1: talk about the weaknesses also and how you have like managed up for them and and yeah. like fix that quickly also. But we start with the superpowers.
0: Yeah, sure. So I think I would say one thing is that for some reason I don't know why I wake up every day super optimistic and happy. <laughs> so this annoys the hell out of my wife though. She's like, why are you, you know, singing? It's like 7, 6 a.m. But for some reason I, I I wake up every day happy and optimistic, no matter what happened the day prior. So I think that helps me in my job in general. I don't know if that's a superpower, but that's what comes to my mind. Yeah,
1: I would say that because as a as a founder, you need to give energy. So I would say that is
0: a core superpower.
1: Amen mm-hmm. to that.
0: Okay, that's one. Anything mm-hmm. something more. Then I think I would say I'm a I'm a fighter. Like it's yeah, you get beaten down sometimes, you know, and and you just. Uh, Maybe you do. You have your own ritual, whatever that is. You can go for a walk or a run, or you you curl up and and cry or whatever you do. It's like uh, and then you wake and then you get up and you you keep fighting. You keep like pushing. So that somehow never dies down. Also, I don't know. I don't know why. Again, and it goes with this like optimistic mornings, maybe. But that's what I. Would and say.
1: what is uh, you can't say A without saying B. Give an example yeah. of one of your rituals.
0: Uh, it's uh, super long walks. Uh, so, and, and Stockholm is a beautiful, be- beautiful city uh, to do that. So I, I typically go on like two, three, sometimes four hour walks oh. around, <laughs> the, the, around the city. Like all the way from, you know, circling Vasastan and then Södermalm and then, you know, all the way back and and the the mind does its work when you're when when you're doing that
1: um, for me and if you then shift the focus you said weaknesses what would you say are one or two of your main weaknesses as a leader and how do you manage up for it
0: yeah it's a great question i think for me it's been about not impulse reacting like taking you know time off before airing your own opinion of things preferably 24 hours and you know and and not just like reacting in the moment because I, I am like very involved and I, I care a lot and I have lots of ideas and you know and so on but It's been every time I've done that, I've thought, thank God I didn't react in the moment. Thank God I kind of didn't just go with the first thing that popped in my head and just, you know, because that can be distracting to the team, actually. Like imagine that you're a founder, you're a CEO, and you're like firing in all directions, all these things, and people get confused about that. So that's something that I've had to learn and i hope you know i i did learn and i try my best to 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 not do that
1: and getting back to the very first thing you started here regarding uh, leadership superpowers etc i i want to understand Albert, where you get your drive from and that's what i mean super optimistic wake up where does this come from where do you get the, your drive
0: I just like, I guess, building things. Like, what else would we do? You know, like it's it's almost like it's not. We do the things we do because we can, in a sense. So, yeah, that's what that's that's what I would say. I just like building okay, things. so your you your your
1: main go to default stage is like, I like building things. Move yeah, on. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, and. It's almost this is a bit of a, you know, you need, one needs to be careful when saying this. But I, when I see a problem, right, an issue, a thing that needs fixing, and I at least have an inkling that there is a potential solution to this, then I'm at my happiest <laughs> state because then I have a reason to wake up the next day and to live and continue like yes i'm going to slay this problem or i'm going <laughs> to fix this or we're going to fix this as a as a company and i know how to go from here to there i don't know exactly maybe but like i trust in my abilities to do it and i have some you know ideas and we'll just iterate and that's when i'm at most like happiest and that this all actually sometimes confuses people because I can seem very enthusiastic about a major problem. <laughs> and people were like, wait, why are you happy? You know, And <laughs> but in my mind is like, yes, I have things to do and I'm not out of work. Let's fix this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, amazing
1: attitude and um, now we are moving uh, into the roundup we just have a few questions left if you would give yourself the top one to three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know for like five ten years ago what would you tell yourself
0: build team build company and distribution Think about distribution. That's what I would tell my younger self. And and also, I would also say, it's going to be okay.
1: <laughs> it's going to be. Okay, great. And the very last question for this time, Alper. Uh, can you share one of your favorite
0: life mottos right now? Everything that's worth having and that works at scale started simple. Never, ever, ever start complex. And always doubt is if someone is pitching you to start complex. I mm-hmm. love this one.
1: We put period mm-hmm. here and say, and uh, now I'm quickly shifting the focus to the one. Listen up, per- just yes, for a few seconds. You has been listening two quick ones. Number one. If you got some sort of value here from Alper today, please tell a friend or a colleague to listen to that episode too, so they can get value too. And number two, press the subscription button. We have great guests coming here every week. And Alper, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning.
0: Thanks, Joseph.